Psalms 106. So this will be the final Psalms message that we'll be doing. So we'll eventually pick back up in Psalms. But next week we'll be starting a series through the book of Revelation. And uh, be paying attention. I don't know when yet, but I'm going to be on the radio a few times. Um, I went and I did uh, an interview uh, uh, particularly about the Revelation series. Trying to get attention in town. A lot of people like prophecy stuff. Kind of hoping to get the locals to come out here for the Revelation stuff. So I basically went and did an interview calling out the pre-trib phoniness and Zionism and all that kind of stuff. And uh, probably offend a few religious folks. But uh, hopefully maybe get them curious and get them to come out and listen. So I don't know. It's it was it's like I did like a half hour interview, but it was in uh, three ten minute segments. They're going to be playing them on different days. So um, just pray that that gets around. So they're going to be sending me the audio of it, and I'll be uploading it on YouTube so you can listen to it. But anyway, so um, I really want to promote that here in town. A lot of people like prophecy stuff, and. Um, you know, mo- a lot of the churches in this area, they don't have service on Wednesdays. So, I'm hoping maybe a lot of people who are already in church will, you know, hear about this and come check us out on a Wednesday night. So, what's that? Yes. Yep. Yeah, it's a 12, is that 1240? Yeah. Yep, 1240. So, be listening for that. I don't even, I don't even know for sure when it's going to be, but... Uh, it's I, I it might have been the first one might have been today I don't even know for sure they they were supposed to let me know but I haven't heard because they're supposed to be doing them I th- thought he said they were gonna do like Wednesday Thursday and Friday each day and then they might do like the whole thing on a Sunday so I don't know well I'll I'm gonna call them tomorrow and find out for sure but either way I'll I'll sh- upload it on YouTube uh, once it comes through so. Anyway, so Psalms 106. So I'm going to start off reading the whole thing. This particular chapter, it's very similar to the one that we looked at last week where it goes through a lot of history of Israel. And in this particular chapter, it mainly focuses on a lot of the bad stuff that they did and just how wicked they were. And I'm just going to mostly focus on the last part of this passage. I'm not going to go verse by verse. It's basically just stating facts about their history. So let's go ahead and read Psalms 106 because it's very important uh, as I get into this message that we uh, know the full context of this passage. And pretty much the context of this passage is Israel did a lot of bad stuff. I mean really bad stuff. But you know what? God remembered His covenant with Israel and so let's start reading verse 1. It says, Praise you the Lord. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His mercy endureth forever. Who can utter the mighty acts of the Lord? Who can show forth all His praise? Blessed are they that keep judgment, and he that doeth righteousness at all times. Remember me, O Lord, with the favor that Thou bearest unto Thy people. O visit me with Thy salvation, that I may see the good of Thy chosen, that I may rejoice in the gladness of thy nation, that I may glory with thine inheritance. We have sinned with our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have done wickedly. Our fathers understood not thy wonders in Egypt. They remembered not the multitude of thy mercies, but provoked him at the sea, even at the Red Sea. Nevertheless, he saved them for his name's sake, that he might make his mighty power to be known. 
He rebuked the Red Sea also, and it was dried up, so he led them through the depths as th- through the wilderness, and he saved them from the hand of him them that hated him, them, and redeemed them from the hand of the enemy. And the waters covered their enemies. There was not one of them left. Then believed they his words. They sang his praise. They soon forgot his works. They waited not for his counsel, but lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. And he gave them their request, but sent leanness into their soul. They envied Moses also in the camp and Aaron, the saint of the Lord. The earth opened and swallowed up Dathan and covered the company of Abiram. And a fire was kindled in their company. The flame burned up the wicked. They made a calf in Horeb and worshipped the molten image. Thus they changed their glory in the similitude of an ox that eateth grass. They forgot God their Savior, which had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, and terrible things by the Red Sea. Therefore he said that he would destroy them had not Moses had chosen, stood before him in the breach to turn away his wrath, lest he should destroy them. Yet they despised the pleasant land. They believed not his word, but murmured in their tents and hearkened not unto the voice of the Lord. Therefore he lifted up his hand against them to overthrow them in the wilderness, to overthrow their seed also among the nations, and to scatter them in the lands. They joined themselves also to Baal Peor and ate the sacrifices of the dead. Thus they provoked him to anger with their inventions and the plague break in upon them. Then stood up Phineas and executed judgment, and so the plague was stayed, and that was counted unto him for righteousness unto all generations forevermore. They angered him also at the wrath waters of strife, so that it went ill with Moses for their sakes, because they provoked his spirit, so that he spake unadvisedly with his lips. They did not destroy the nations concerning whom the Lord commanded them, but were mingled among the heathen and learned their works. And they served their idols, which were a snare unto them. Yea, they sacrificed their sons and their daughters unto devils and shed innocent blood, even the blood of their sons and of their daughters, whom they sacrificed on the idols of Canaan. And the land was polluted with blood. Thus were they defiled with their own words and went a-whoring after their own inventions. Therefore was the wrath of the Lord kindled against His people insomuch that He abhorred His own inheritance. And He gave them into the hand of the heathen, and they that hated them ruled over them. Their enemies also oppressed them. They were brought into subjection unto their hand. Many times did He deliver them, but they provoked Him with their counsel and were brought for their iniquity. Now let me stop right there and just say, now they had pretty bad history, didn't they? I mean, just one thing after another, it will tell you how God did this great thing for them. And then they went and did some horrible thing to him. And it got to the point where God abhorred his own inheritance. I mean, that's a pretty, pretty strong statement right there, isn't it? I mean, there's one time it mentioned in there how God was, remember the, uh, if you read in Exodus, Leviticus, I don't remember which book it was, where God was ready to wipe them all out. And God told Moses, I'm going to destroy them all. I'm going to start all over with you. And then Moses taught God out of it. God repented of that. And God did not do what he was thinking to do, but he felt like doing that. God felt like destroying them. And it's easy to see why when you see just one thing after another that they did. And so, verse 44, after it tells us all these terrible things, listen what it says. Nevertheless, he regarded their affliction when he heard their cry 
And he remembered for them his covenant and repented according to the multitude of his mercies. He made them also to be pitied of all those that carried them captives. Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the heathen to give thanks unto thy holy name and to triumph in thy praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting and let the people say, Amen. Praise ye the Lord. So right there we see that God, you know, He ended up remembering, He, God remembered His covenant. He did not end up destroying them. He remembered what He had promised to Abraham. Okay? So now, the dispensationalists, they'll like to take this passage right here and they'll read about all these horrible things, but then they'll remind you that God's not done with Israel. Because God remembers His covenant with Abraham. And they'll talk about His covenant with Abraham. And last week we looked at the whole thing of how there's children according to the law, but then there's children according to the Spirit too. And if you're a child of Abraham according to the law, well then you're in big trouble because they broke the law. And then people say, well no, it's the Abrahamic covenant. That's to the physical seed not just the spiritual seed. So in order for us to understand this, because we see that God, he, it's in verse 45 it says, and He remembered for them His covenant. This is why God did not wipe them out, because He remembered His covenant. And now the dispensations will say, and that's why God's still preserving those Jews over there in Israel today, because God remembers His covenant. He's not going to destroy them. And these replacement people don't know what they're talking about. Well, actually we do because one thing that, you know, I definitely do this. Whenever the Bible refers to something from the past, I like to go back and look at what it's talking about. And let's go ahead and look at that covenant that God made with Abraham. All right. Now I know we already went uh, last week. We talked a little bit about the whole seed thing and how that was Jesus Christ. But go back to Genesis chapter 15. And I want to show you something. This is very important. And then we're going to go to Galatians chapter 4. Another forbidden chapter for dispensationalists. So in Genesis chapter 15, verse 1, well actually in verse 12, uh, in, or chapter 12, this is where God tells Abraham, it says, Now the Lord said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee, and I will make of thee a great nation. I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curseth thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. This is where God talks about that blessing to Abraham, that in him that all the nations of the world will be blessed. And we know that's talking about Jesus Christ. But then when we get to chapter 15, after he uh, gets into that land, this is where God ends up making the covenant. With Abraham. Now let's read Genesis chapter 15. It says, And after these things came the word of the Lord, uh, after these things the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and exceeding great reward. And Abram said, The Lord God, what wilt, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless? And the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in mine house is mine heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed in the Lord 
and he counted it to him for righteousness. Galatians 3, 6 refers to that. Abraham believed God and was counted him for righteousness. Verse 7, he said unto him, I am the Lord that brought thee out of the earth of the Chaldees to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Lord God, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? And he said unto him, Take me a heifer of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And this is where God makes a covenant. He has them pass through the parts of these animals. And uh, But let's jump down to uh, verse... Well, you know what? Look at verse 14. Let me show you this. Or 13. And he said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And remember in Galatians 3 last week how it mentioned that the promise was given first, and then the law came four hundred and thirty years later. And so it was just like God had prophesied. And then uh, verse... Let's look at verse um, 18. In that same day... The Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, Unto thy seed have I given this land, from the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates, the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cabanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaims, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. So right here, this is the covenant that God remembers. This is a covenant that God, God promised him this land. And God had also promised him in Genesis chapter 15 that he was going to multiply his seed as the stars of heaven. That's what God promised Abraham. That was a part of this Abrahamic covenant that God would multiply his seed as the stars of heaven and they would inherit that land. That's that covenant. And so whenever all these times, whenever God was thinking about destroying Israel... Even though they deserved it, God never did. And the reason for that is because of that covenant. If God would have destroyed all of Israel, then they never would have inherit, they would never inherit the land, and his seed would not be multiplied as the stars of heaven, would it? So God never did destroy them because God needed to be able to keep this promise to Abraham of multiplying his seed as the stars of heaven and giving them the land. So remember those things. That had to be done. God could not wipe them out if that was going to take place. And we're not going to take time to go through all the verses in Genesis where it goes on and on and he's reminded of the seed. He keeps reminding of the promise of the seed. Well, let's look at a couple of them. Uh, let's look in verse 17, or chapter 17, verse 7. It says, And I will establish my covenant between me and thee, and thy seed after thee, in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto them and to thy seed after thee. So this was an everlasting covenant. Remember that too. Because Sam Gipp will show you this verse and say that's where we get it all wrong. Because we say God's done with them, but God said it was an everlasting covenant. It is an everlasting covenant. Don't, uh, don't, he, he's misapplying what we teach. Either he's ignorant about what we teach or he is just trying to deceive and might be a little bit of both but verse 18 says and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice chapter 24 verse 7 says the Lord God of heaven which took me from my father's house and from the land of my kindred which spake unto me and that swear unto me saying unto thy seed will I give this land he shall send his angel before thee 
and thou shalt take a wife unto my son from thence. So right there he mentions, unto thy seed will I give this land again. So this covenant, uh, turn over to Galatians 3.19. All right? Galatians chapter 3.19. So we see over and over again that this promise that was to Abraham, it was to give this land to his seed and to multiply his seed as the stars of heaven. And we saw last week how the seed in Galatians 3, it's not in seeds as of many, but as of one, which is Jesus Christ. Alright? We know that the seed was Jesus Christ. In Galatians 3.19, we looked at this last week, it says, Wherefore then serve the law? It was added because of transgressions, till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was ordained by angels in the hands of a mediator. So right there we see the promise. It wasn't made to Abraham. It was made to Abraham's seed. And it said that that law was given. All right, it was given until the seed should come to whom the promises were made. There is no doubt that's talking about Jesus Christ. It is spelled out that that is talking about Jesus Christ. Okay, There's, there's no two ways about it. So the covenant, here, so here's where people get mixed up. When they, once again, and it's a lot of this from reading the Schofield Bible or reading other versions of the Bible, is they will, they see seed and they think descendants. They look at Israel, you know, they look at the stories in the Bible and they're always just looking at the people and they're thinking that's who God's talking about. But here's the thing, when you're looking in the Old Testament, you can see a lot of examples where he is talking about the people, isn't he? I mean, who was it that was sinning in the wilderness? It was the people, wasn't it? It wasn't Jesus. All those stories that it went through, it was the children of Israel that were sinning, yet God did not destroy them because of that covenant. So therefore, it was about the descendants, right? Not Well, not necessarily. Alright? So, let's look at a few more things. So, because this covenant... It did not protect all the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob because God killed many of them throughout history, didn't He? Were there not many that God killed? See, and if it was just descendants, then wouldn't God have needed to spare all of them? So why did God often kill many of them? I mean, in some cases, thousands of them. All right, Why, why is that? If God made a promise, if the promise was to the descendants, if the descendants were all included throughout the Old Testament there, then why did God let so many of them get killed? Okay, and it's spelled out there in Psalms, you know, they got in trouble because of unbelief. We read that passage as clear as day. It was because of unbelief these things happened. So, what's going on here? So, what changed? So, if they were the people then... Alright, if they were the chosen people then, if they were protected then, if they had God's blessing then, and God made a covenant with them and it was an everlasting covenant, then why don't they have it now? What happened? What changed? Alright, and so let's go to uh, Galatians chapter 4. So this covenant, I believe it's eternal because of the fact that they were preserved as a people until the seed came, which was Christ. Well, if you say, well, if it ended when Jesus Christ came, then what about the everlasting? He said it was an everlasting covenant. Okay, so look, let's, let's read Galatians 4.21. And here's what you need to understand. 
Here's what you've got to understand about the Abrahamic covenant when it, when it comes to Israel, all these things. Whenever somebody throws the stuff at you, whenever somebody comes to you and wants to criticize you for thinking that God's done with Israel because you don't want to you know, kiss the toes of the Jewish people over there in Israel because you don't want to support Israel, you need, you know, what you need to tell them, and especially when they start invoking the Abrahamic covenant, you know what you need to tell them? Abraham had two sons. Abraham had two sons. This is a very important thing. This is the passage I was talking about last week. When I first read this, after I got my head screwed on straight, it was like God added to the Scriptures all of a sudden. It was like this, for some reason I had skipped this chapter in my Bible reading for years. But look what it says in verse 21. Tell me ye that desire to be under the law, do ye not hear the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid and the other by a free woman. Now we know who the two sons were, right? Ishmael. Ishmael came first, right? Natural always comes first. Spiritual always comes second. We see that principle throughout the Bible. Abraham had two sons. He's taught, and we're not going to take time to read all of chapter 4 before this, but he's dealing with the people that are thinking we've got to obey the law. We've got to keep the law in order to be saved. They're wanting to bring in the circumcision. They're wanting to bring in these Old Testament uh, works and laws and things and making them a requirement for salvation, which was a very foolish thing to do. And, they, because, and I believe one of the main reasons they want to do this is because of the fact the focus for so long was on a physical people that these people, these Judaizers, they came in and they still wanted it to be about a physical people. And they were thinking, you know, we've got to at least have them circumcised. We need them circumcised so they could glory in their flesh. But he's telling them here, verse 21, you know, ye that desire to be under the law, do ye not hear the law? <clears throat> For it is written that Abraham had two sons, the one by a bondmaid, the other by a free woman. But he who is of the bondwoman was born after the flesh. But he of the free woman was by promise. Alright, now you got to get this. Because when I'm about to make the claim, and I've made it before, this is no surprise to you all here, that the Jews of today, alright, those people over there in Israel, they are of Ishmael. Okay? They are not of Isaac. They are of Ishmael. And the dispensationalists will tell you you're crazy because of the fact the Jews descend from Isaac. It's the Muslims that descend from Ishmael. I understand that. Okay? But you also got to understand the Bible says they are of Ishmael. Okay? I don't care who they descend from. What matters is what they do. It's the works that they do. Alright? And don't make me go to John 8 to prove all that to you. Okay? But right here in Galatians 4, it puts the Jews with Ishmael. And whenever you hear some of these preachers get up, you'll hear these camp meeting preachers get up and talk about them bunch of Ishmaelites over there in the Middle East trying to go after Israel. You know, just need to nuke all them buzzards, you know. They're a wild man, like the Bible prophesied. All right? We're going to look at that prophecy here in a little bit. You hear that in like every meeting down south. You know, it's like, you know, the Jews there of Isaac. That's where they came from. Abraham had that wicked relationship with Hagar and birthed a child that just we're still paying for that to this day. Alright, you you've all you've all if you, if you haven't heard that it's because you've just never been to a camp meeting before. But you hear that 
all the time. And it dry, and you know, and I used to think that too. I, I used to be the same way. I probably said stuff about it here. You know, I, I, back in the day, I'd see the Israelis and the Palestinians fighting over the land. You know, belongs to the Jews. They're God's chosen people, you know. Not them Muslims and Ishmaelites, them sand monkeys. That's what, I think it was Phil Kidd. He's called them a bunch of sand monkeys. And, you know, I'm sorry. You know, I'm all, I'm all for, you know, bashing Muslims. As long as you do it equal to the Jews. Alright, because they're both of Ishmael. Alright, they are both of Ishmael. And a dispensationalist's head will spin when you hear them say that. But I didn't come up with that. I did not come up with that. Paul came up with it. The Apostle Paul. And the dispensationalists, I mean, they put Paul in higher regard than Jesus Christ. The words of Paul are more important than the words of Jesus Christ to a dispensationalist. And the Apostle Paul put the Jews in the same camp with the Ishmaelites. So, they need to take it up with him. But look, look what it says here. So, he those of the free one was by promise, okay? Yes, Isaac physically, naturally came from Abraham and Sarah. Alright? I get that. But it was a miracle of God that Isaac came. When God promised, told Abraham he was going to multiply a seed, he said he was going to do it through Sarah. He said that Sarah was going to conceive. Not Hagar. He said Sarah was going to do that. And so in verse 24, it says, Which things are an allegory? For these are the two covenants. The one from Mount Sinai, which gendereth to bondage, which is Agar. For this Agar is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and answer to Jerusalem, which now is in bondage with her children. Okay? Now, I heard a preacher say this the other day, how, you know, problem is, you know, some of these people are trying to allegorize everything in the Bible. And listen, we shouldn't try to allegorize everything that's in the Bible, but you know what? If the Bible tells us about an allegory and says this is an allegory, I think we're allowed to do that. And when we look at Ishmael and Isaac, if you want to make an allegory out of that, we can do it. We got the Apostle Paul's permission. Our Apostle. Alright, so just, you know, I, I couldn't believe when I heard this guy say that. And he was talking specifically about Israel. I'm thinking, are you just stupid? I don't think Galatians 4 is in any dispensationalist Bible. Alright, now if we opened it up and looked in it, it would be there. Alright, but it, I'm telling you, it popped up in my Bible. It literally just appeared in there after I got my head screwed on straight. And some of these guys too, I think it would pop up in theirs if they'd ever get right with God or get saved or whatever's wrong with them. I don't, I don't know what their problem is. But it says, these things are an allegory. These are the two covenants. Verse 26, but Jerusalem which is above is free, which is the mother of us all. But Jerusalem which is above. What am I talking about a heavenly Jerusalem right there? You know, everybody wants to go all nuts about the Jerusalem that's here on this earth. As wicked of a place that is. That by the way, the book of Revelation calls Sodom and Egypt. Just... Think about that. Just chew on that one for a little bit. But it says, For it is written, Rejoice thou barren that bearest not, break forth and cry thou that travailest not, for the desolate hath many more children than she which hath an husband. Now we brethren, as Isaac was, are the children of promise. Okay? I didn't say this. The Apostle Paul said this. Talking to the Galatians, talking to Gentiles who were saved, the Apostle Paul said that we are of Isaac. He said that. We are the children of promise. 
Just like Isaac was a child of promise, we are the children of promise. That's, that's what Paul said. I didn't say that. He said that. 29, verse 29. But the, as then he that was born after the flesh persecuted him that was born of the Spirit, even so is it now. We're not going to take time to go back and look at the story. But remember the story when Isaac was weaned and they were having that celebration and Ishmael was mocking him? Remember that story? And as because of that, because Ishmael was persecuting Isaac, you know what Sarah did? Sarah went to Abraham and said, cast out the bondwoman. He shall not be heir with my son. I didn't say this. Okay, The Bible made this allegory. And guess who persecuted the church? Guess who's always been the number one enemy of the church? Guess who Romans 11 says are enemies for the gospel's sake? It's talking about the Jews. And you know what? They got cast out and they will not be heir. We've got non-dispensational preachers today, like Brian Sharp, who have a lot of things right when it comes to the church and Israel, but for some reason, he thinks we are heirs with them. But no, 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 no. Actually, we're the heirs. They're not going to get inheritance with us. I didn't say that. Okay, The Bible said this. The Apostle Paul said this. And they did. They cast out the bondwoman. And that is exactly... The Bible says that was an allegory of what was to come. Alright? So let's read a little bit more. Nevertheless, what saith the Scripture? Cast out the bondwoman and her son, for the son of the bondwoman shall not be heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not the children of the bondwoman, but of the free. Okay? So here's the thing. Abraham had two sons. He had one naturally. Alright? A physical birth. That was Ishmael. Then you had Isaac. Okay? Who was of promise. Now this is where the dispensations get mixed up. It's like they think everyone that physically descends from Isaac is included in that. That they are of Isaac. But no. Because right... Excuse me, I got a fucking throat. Right here, the Apostle Paul makes it very clear that we are the children of promise, as Isaac was. And all these people that they're wanting to credit to Isaac, it just happens to be people who descend from him physically. That does not matter. Okay? That does not matter. That makes them of Ishmael because of the fact they naturally come from him, but they are not the ones that were promised. And see, this is the thing you've got to understand when it comes to that seed that was going to be multiplied. The seed was not the descendants. The seed was Christ. And those of us who are saved, are we not in Christ? The seed that was multiplied was Jesus Christ. All of us who are saved today, we are in Christ. And that is what is multiplied as the stars of heaven. We were born again. Why being born not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God. And we see that these pe- many people today, they want to look at all the people. They want to talk about how many millions of Jews there are out there. And they want to say that that's how God fulfilled that promise. He did multiply them as the stars of heaven. No, that's not who he was talking about. He was talking about the seed, Jesus Christ. So then you say, well, so then why... But if it was, you said it was, an, you know, before it was an everlasting covenant. If it included the descendants, 
in the Old Testament, why does it include the descendants today? And I'll tell you why, why right now. Because of the fact that the promised seed came. You know why God had to preserve them during that time? You know why God wouldn't completely wipe them out? Even though He did kill many of them? Because of the fact He had to fulfill His promise. It was prophesied that the seed was going to come through Isaac. And then later it was prophesied that it would come through Jacob. And then Judah. And then finally later through David. And we see that God kept that promise. And then you'll say, well, so now you're saying He's done. You know, He's all done with them since Jesus Christ came. No, not necessarily because of the fact that they can still be saved today, can't they? They can still be in Christ today if they will get saved. But you all understand that Jesus Christ, you know, He's going to live forever. He's never going to, He's never going to cease to exist. And until, you know, I don't know when the last person is going to get saved. I mean, I imagine people are going to be getting saved into the millennium. But I mean, you all see how God is continuing to multiply things. It's still multiplying. And so it's not that God stopped that covenant or stopped dealing with that physical people. No, that physical people or that Jesus came from that physical people. And we are multiplied in Him. And therefore, it's, that's why genealogies don't matter anymore. That's why in the New Testament, it talks about not giving, you know, not getting involved in endless genealogies. Even though there's endless genealogies in the Old Testament, but it mattered then because there was a seed that was to come. And God is showing that He fulfilled that prophecy. And so these people that are there today, alright, these Jews of today, these physical descendants, they are of Ishmael. Go back to Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16. It says in verse 11, And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son, and shalt call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. He will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. Back to them Muslims. You know, everywhere they go, they're just destroying countries. Everywhere they're at, nobody wants them around. They're invading Europe. Just 9-11. You know, all, you know, they'll start just naming all these things. You know, all these wars we're having in the Middle East is because of them Muslims. Their hands against every man and every man's against them. Nobody likes the Muslims. And rightfully so. Well, I agree. I mean... You know, yeah, not too many people like Muslims. They are pretty wild people. But you know what? There's actually another group out there that's pretty bad too. The Jews. Alright? Now you say, how anti-Semitic? How dare you say that? Once again, it's not me. It's the Apostle Paul. Our Apostle. The one the dispensationalists think his words are superior to Christ. Look what it says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. I, I'm going to take Genesis chapter 16 and I'm going to apply it. I'm going to apply Ishmael to the Jews. It said, His hand will be against every man and every man's hand against him. Verse 14 says, For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. 
For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us, and they please not God, and are contrary to all men. Now, doesn't that sound a lot like what we just read in Genesis chapter 16? Wasn't Paul anti-Semitic? I mean, good night. If the Apostle Paul is around today, you know what they would probably do to him? They would probably beat him with rods. They would probably stone him. They would probably throw him in prison. Just like they did back then. You know, except today, you know, they would, they would make laws. You know, they would enforce like, you know, these hate speech laws. You know, isn't it interesting how, you know, they're, they're making, I mean, many countries, in many countries, it is illegal to deny the Holocaust. It is illegal. Now listen, I'm not an expert on that and I don't have a strong opinion on that, alright? But, but here's the thing. How can it be illegal to deny this historical event? Who cares? I mean, who cares? Why do they care so much about that? When I was talking to Bill Grady on the phone that one time, he started going on about Anderson and his you know, Holocaust. And all. He's like, did you know it's illegal? And he, I can't remember. He told me how many countries it's illegal. And I, I just said, whoa, whoa, whoa. I said, are, are you okay with it being illegal to deny a historical event? Oh, well, I'm not. He's like, I'm not saying that it's right, you know, that they have that law, but I'm just, I'm just showing that it's serious. I'm like, no, that's just a stupid law. All right, that is a stupid law. And I heard they're trying to get that passed in some states. I think it was North Carolina they're trying to get that passed. You know, I'm telling you, man, if they pass a law like that in one of these states, we need to go have another marching design conference in that state. Because that's just a bunch of garbage. You know, and, but, the, you know, everybody gets bent out of shape. The Apostle Paul, a physical Jew, he said that they were contrary to all. Just like Genesis 16 says about Ishmael. The Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 4, in the allegory, he put the Jews in the same camp as Ishmael. He took that story of Ishmael and he said, this is an allegory. And Ishmael is the Jews and you all believers, you are Isaac. And in 1 Thessalonians 2, he's saying the same, same thing. Look what it says in Titus chapter 1. <clears throat> it's like, you know, how, how dare you say these things about the Jews? I mean, yeah, Jews do a lot of bad things, but so do all cultures. All cultures do bad things. How dare you single out the Jews? That's very anti-Semitic. Well, I'm sorry. I'm not the one who says this stuff. All right, the Apostle Paul. Look at this. Titus 1 verse 9. Holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince the gainsayers. For there are many unruly... All right, what does unruly mean? Right, this is somebody who's wild, out of control. You can't tame them. How about a wild man? All right, unruly. And vain talkers and deceivers. Well, that can be in any culture. And how dare you single out the Jews? Look at this. Especially they of the circumcision. Hey... I'm not the one that did that. The Apostle Paul is the one that did that. Hey, yeah, there's a lot of unruly people. There's a lot of people out there that cause a lot of trouble. But you know what? Especially the circumcision. Especially they have the circumcision. Yeah, you know what? The Muslims, they're pretty bad. Yeah, the Muslims cause a lot of trouble. They do a lot of bad stuff. But you know, you know, but 
especially the Jews. They really do too. And it's like you're not allowed to mention them. You can mention all these other people, but how dare you single out the Jews? You're anti-Semitic if you do that. But that is exactly what Paul did. The Apostle Paul said concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But it's touching the election. They are beloved for the Father's sake. What does that mean? It means if they'll get saved, they'll be a part of the elect. If they're saved, if they are a saved Jew, they are now of Isaac. They are now a part of the election. So the thing is, these people, they can be fixed if they can just be born again. They just need to be born again. Because think about this. The Apostle Paul, when he was Saul, would we not say that he was an enemy of the gospel? Would we not say he was a pretty strong enemy of the gospel? But what happened after he got saved? After he got born again? Now, he's a great asset to the cause of Christ. He ended up doing great things. Probably the greatest Christian that ever lived. So, we see that the thing is, these, people, these Jews that are over there today, they need to be born again so they can actually be of Isaac. So they can be the children of the promise. And think about this. If we are the children of the promise, then... Wouldn't you be safe to say that the promises that God made to Abraham's seed would go to those who are of promise? Not to those who are the physical of Ishmael? Ishmael didn't receive the inheritance, did he? And people do. They get all mixed up because Jews physically descend from Isaac. That does not matter. That does not matter if they are only physically of Isaac, then you know what? They're of Ishmael as far as God is concerned. So go ahead and turn back to Psalms 106. Turn back to Psalms 106. And yes, this is an allegory. I am allegorizing this. But I'm not the one that came up with it. Okay? The Apostle Paul came up with it under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. All these things I'm saying can get me in so much trouble. Using an allegory, singling out the Jews, saying the Jews are of Ishmael, saying they're contrary to all men, saying they're a wild man, all these things. All, you know, singling them out, especially when there's a lot of bad people. We not see that Paul did every one of these things. Every one of these things I'm doing, the Apostle Paul did. And so we see that in the Bible, when God made that promise to Abraham, it was to his seed. The seed came. That they were, the Israel, they were protected. They were under God's blessing before Jesus came because of the fact that Jesus was among them. Okay. What does the Bible say in Hebrews? It talks about Levi paid tithes in Abraham. When Abraham paid tithes to Melchizedek, Levi was not born yet. But the Bible says Levi paid tithes in Abraham. Why? Because he was yet in the loins of Abraham. And since Jesus Christ physically descended from Abraham, do you all understand that when the children of Israel went into Egypt, when they came out of Egypt, when they were in the wilderness, do you all understand that he was physically there with them? The seed was there. That seed that was prophesied. The reason God would never let the enemies utterly destroy Israel was because of the fact if that would have happened, God would not have been able to fulfill His promise. And God always keeps His promises. God made a promise. So when God did it, it was also said there in Psalms that God protected them for His namesake. 
What would that do to God's name if God told a lie? Okay, God, whose name is holy, it would no longer be holy. And so for God's namesake, he protected them, not for their sake. Okay, because of the fact it's just spelled out throughout that whole chapter just how wicked they were. But God spared them for his sake because a promise had to be fulfilled to allow that seed to come. And that seed was in there. It was, it was in that multitude. It was in the children of Israel. It was there in the line of Judah. They didn't always know who it was, they, but God did. And so God protected the people. Mostly, so main reason, to protect His Son. And finally, Jesus Christ came. The seed came. God fulfilled His promise. And we see that God has multiplied that seed not through physical birth because did Jesus have any children physically? I hope you don't say yes. Unless you've been reading the Da Vinci Code or something like that. Right? Jesus had, did not have any children physically. And God promised that He was going to multiply that seed. So how is it multiplied? It's multiplied through a spiritual birth. So as long as there are saved people, and there's always going to be saved people, as long as there is Jesus Christ, God kept that covenant. That covenant is still in effect, that everlasting covenant. And people who are physical Jews today, they are not exempt from They can be saved too. But do you all understand? What does the Bible also teach in Romans chapter 11? Those natural branches... They were broken off. Why were they broken off? Because of unbelief. But we were grafted in. Alright? We became a part of that. And they are no longer a part of it. And they can only be grafted in if they get saved. So God has kept this promise. So let's look at that passage again. Verse 43. Many times did He deliver them, but they provoked Him with their counsel and were brought low for their iniquity. Nevertheless, He regarded their affliction when He heard their cry and He remembered for them His covenant and repented according to the multitude of His mercies. He made them also to be pitied of all those that carried them captives. Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from among the heathen to give thanks unto Thy holy name and to triumph in Thy praise. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel from everlasting to everlasting. And let all the people say, Amen. Praise ye the Lord. And you know what? One of these days... God is going to gather all His people. And you know what? The Jews going back to Israel today, that is not God regathering His people. That is not God gathering His people. You know when God's going to regather His people? In the rapture. In the rapture is when He's going to gather His people. And in the millennium, those that were promised land will be put in that land. And they will receive inheritance. That everlasting inheritance. And if, think about this. If this everlasting covenant, this everlasting inheritance was a physical land to a physical people, and since God promised it to those physical people back then, you know, then therefore it's a physical people today. Well, there's a big problem with that. Because of the fact, one, they don't, they didn't have that land for a very, very long time. A very long time. I don't believe they ever had all the land that God promised to Abraham. 
In Joshua or Judges, it talks about how God gave all the land that he promised to their fathers. But I, I believe that was referring specifically to the land God promised them, their fathers, when they came out of Egypt. And he didn't give them the same borders as he did with Abraham. That promise that he made to Abraham, that has not been fulfilled yet. But it will be fulfilled in the millennium. And it is not being fulfilled today with the Jews returning. You know what we've got over there today? We've got a bunch of Ishmaelites fighting each other. The Jews and the Palestinians, or the Israelis and Palestinians, those are Ishmaelites fighting with each other. You say they don't do that. Uh, have you ever heard of Sunni, Shia, and Kurds? They fight with each other all the time. Ishmaelites love to kill people. If they don't have any other people to kill, then they kill each other. And I'm sorry, the Israelis are no exception. They are killing their own brothers over there when they're fighting the Palestinians. And you know what? Get mad at me all you want. I didn't say it. The Apostle Paul said it. So get mad at that. How do you be anti-Semitic when you're Semitic? You know, is it one of those things? You know, like black people are allowed to say certain words, but white people can't. So the Apostle Paul was allowed to say it since he was a Benjamin. You know, he was from the tribe of Benjamin. Maybe that's what it is. So maybe I maybe I shouldn't say it. You know, maybe it's one of those rules. But I I don't know. Maybe, maybe that maybe that's what people's thinking. But anyway. I hope that was a blessing. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your word. I pray it'll help us to learn from this and help us not to get fooled by a lot of the uh, crazy dispensational teachings that's out there just twisting scriptures. I pray it'll help us to study and uh, just to uh, interpret the scripture the way you interpret it, the way you spelled it out. Help us learn from these things and uh, help us to uh, just try to make a difference and trying to spread the gospel uh, and uh, try to get as many people in you as possible. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's go ahead and stand. Turn to...